Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. You can find the podcast on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. Go to the website abouttoreview.com for full episode show notes and email the show at abouttoreview at gmail.com. We're reporting live from the floor of the New York Comic Con. I'm with my very good friends, Jess O'Brien and Damian Randall. Introduce yourself, Jess. Hey, what up, everybody? It's the Curly Nerd. We out here, New York <laughs> Comic Con 2017. Woo-hoo. Wow. Wow. No pressure, Damian. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, D. Randall. Yes, him I be. Curly Nerd, that guy up in NYC. Bars. Oh. Still. <laughs> Bars. Taking it back to where it began. Real hip-hop, son. Nice. Uh, yeah, so we are at New York Comic Con 2017. Damien and Jess, of course, are from the Curly Nerd podcast, which you can find on all from social media and also on iTunes and SoundCloud and Google Play. Yep, we out here. So, yeah, uh, they already have been here for a couple days. I just yes, joined yeah. today. Uh, it is going to be pretty crazy. So I will see. <laughs> just... A predator, predator just, just walked by. Although predator it is a, just by a predator who is about five feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> no shade, so, no shade. Eh. Hey. Okay. all sizes. Cosplay, who did we see on. earlier today who was like a buck ten? Oh, it was a Black Panther. Black Panther. Oh, a Black Panther. He weighed about a buck ten. I was like, mm, yeah. no, sorry. Good for them. Uh, but yeah, live, you live your truth. Them. Live your truth. Yes. Anyway, so on this episode, we will be talking about Emerald City, or not Emerald City, New York City yeah, Comic-Con. I am across the country. I it is Your weird. First time on a plane. I know it must have been <laughs> exciting. <laughs> it was weird. Uh, yeah, so we'll be talking about New York City Comic Con. Talk about some panels and all of that fun stuff. But for now, we'll get to the theme song. Before we get into the bulk of the show, I have some exciting news to my guests. Jess, Damien. <clears throat> yeah, that is you. That is when you say something. So I'm not. I'm just looking oh. like exciting news. <laughs> what is this exciting news? What, what is this? Uh, the exciting, I don't like surprises. <laughs> the exciting news is that I got the chance to interview some amazing people during the con that I did not introduce in the beginning because I had not talked to them yet because we are now in the future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the people that you are going to listen to uh, right now is a legendary comic book author, Frank Cho. Yo. And then uh, Dexter Vines, another really great artist and inker. And then yes. Demita Jane. So wow. I, yeah, I, it was it was pretty awesome. Wow. That is cool. I'm really excited about Frank Cho and Dexter Vines, especially. You know how I get down with the artists. Absolutely. So I'm going to cut to those interviews right now. After those interviews, we will be back and tell you all about New York City Comic Con, plus the new movie in theaters now, Blade Runner 2049. My guests are so excited to talk about this movie, but (laughs) but we will get to that in a little bit for right now. We're going to cut to the interviews with Frank Cho, Dexter Vines, and Damita Jane Howard. I'm now extremely fortunate to be sitting down with the one and only Frank Cho multi-award winner, which we would have to spend an entire episode just to list your awards. Uh, I've been a fan of yours since University Squared and Liberty Meadows, so welcome to the show, Frank Cho. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So I just have a couple questions. We are in the middle of Artist Alley, so it is 
crazy loud as always down here. And very hot and kind of dark. I know, that is kind of interesting. That yeah. They kind of shove you guys down here. Yeah, yeah, it's like a dungeon. Right. Excellent. So my first question is, what character to you is the most challenging? And then also, what character is the most fun to draw? Uh, I would say the most challenging character that I had to draw was uh, Iron Man. Really? Uh, I, I just hate drawing mechanical things. Okay. And, um, and Iron Man, especially, uh, they were constantly changing the armor. And right. no two artists drew the armor alike. It's not like in the old days where uh, John Romina Jr. and Bob Layton drew Iron Man. You knew exactly what Iron Man looked there like. There was the Mark One, yeah. and that was yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, but all these new artists is constantly coming up with like a new twist on the armor. And it was just a nightmare to draw Iron Man. Right. Uh, the most fun character I, I like to draw is probably uh, um, like Jungle Girl, Jungle Queen. Okay. Yeah. It's just a um, a hot girl in a bikini, essentially. So right. you can't go wrong with that. Okay. Excellent. Now, speaking of Jungle Girl, one of the things that you have been kind of battling for most of your career is the issue of censorship. <laughs> so as a creator, when you start these new projects, is that something in the back of your head? And how do you get past that? I've always... Uh, struggle of censorship since high school I, I would say uh, I remember uh, I used to get censored all the time because I drew for the high school newspaper okay and my English teacher who was also my journalism teacher would uh, reluctantly censor a lot of my stuff and she <laughs> okay. would say it is funny it's, it's without that it's funny it's clever but there's a certain uh, this is a school newspaper yeah, exactly it's a school newspaper you can't cross a certain line. And I, but, I, but I had to, uh, you know, I, I had to admit that it's funny, you know. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's, censorship is something that always been, uh, that, that has always dogged me since day one. And uh, which is kind of pain in the ass. I mean, like, right. uh, <laughs> and, and, and the sensibility of uh, Americans and uh, Europeans are so different. I mean, in Europe, it's very... Uh, uh, they're so liberal that right. uh, everything I do is like it just go right through without a problem. Absolutely. But in America, <laughs> it is so restrictive. It mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, people say America land are free. I mean, they're so restrictive. It's not even. Uh, it's not even funny. You know. Now, would you say that? Because I know one of your big influences, and one of also my favorite artists, Frank Frazetta. Yeah, Frazetta. Yeah. Definitely, Frazetta was a big influence. Uh, so was John Buscema, mm -hmm. Al Williamson, uh, uh, and uh, all these other guys. Uh, I mean, the the uh, the my muse for women mm -hmm. to draw women was actually, in fact, Linda Carter. When I saw Wonder awesome. Woman, she was the woman. You know, mm -hmm. that kind of like she was like the template that I, I base all other women on. You know, so mm -hmm. it started with her first and then with Frazetta you know it was like a second uh, second wave of inspiration type stuff yeah, I have been saying for years that the Wonder Woman that I picture in my head is your Wonder Woman <laughs> thank you mainly because of that musculature of that definition yeah. of yeah. physical strength but also I mean she's absolutely gorgeous yeah. of course but the physical strength yeah. with femininity is just incredible the musculature oh. in her thighs no, oh, yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I like uh, women with like, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, who's kind of with big hips and uh, big legs, who mm -hmm. are like really 
look like look like women, you know, right? Not like teenage boys, right? Uh, not like a skinny uh, supermodel teenage boy looking thing, you know. Yeah, I won't. I like to draw women that look like women with curves. As a big fan, like I said, of University Squared and Liberty Meadows, things have since kind of reverted back to you. At some point, there's this thought of a cartoon coming out. Can you tell us anything about that? Is there any movement? Uh, so Sony had the rights to Liberty Meadows for years, mm -hmm. and I finally got it back uh, during under Sony uh, uh, time at Sony. Sony actually uh, made a TV episode, a TV pilot episode, and uh, and unfortunately uh, they shelved it uh, and never saw the light of day. I think there's some footage on on YouTube. I think some of the animators mm -hmm. actually put it online. Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was the most maddening thing. They have a finished <laughs> pilot episode, which they never aired. Right. And eventually, uh, I got my rights back. And so I've been sitting on it myself, uh, only because I'm just so busy doing other stuff. But in about two or three years, I'm, I'm going to come back and finish the, uh, the wedding storyline and awesome. just wrap everything up and just, and just kind of close that Liberty Meadows in a nice you know, in a nice bow, you know, just, you know. But, but with, an, with, with an open ending. So if Excellent. I want to come back to it down the road, I'm, uh, I can easily do that. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I've been sitting with the amazing artist, Frank Cho. Well, thank you very much. The next artist that I am talking to is Dexter Vines. Welcome to the show, Dexter. Thanks for having me. As soon as I walked by your booth, it immediately caught my eye because of your Nightcrawler. Oh, uh, cool, cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. That's a cool character. I know it's one of Ed McGinnis's favorite characters. Mm -hmm. So when we got the project, he was like, I want to go old school Dave Cockrum. Absolutely. You know, with the, with the character. So, and that's basically what it did. It's like swashbuckling. That's, mm -hmm. you know, that's what we want. So, and that's what we went for. Now, do you like those kind of older generations of the characters, older versions? When you go to write, when you go to sit down, it's cool. But myself personally, I follow more of the artists more so than the characters. Okay. Per se, just personally. So, while well, I can appreciate it, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that thing that like grabs me, you know. Per se, gotcha. I'm just about following those artists, you know. You know, Jack Kirby or you know some of the definitely into some of the old school artists, you mm -hmm. know, Jack Kirby's and you know, of course, Dave Cockrum. Right. You know, and stuff like that. We were just talking about uh, Lynn Wayne when he passed. Right. And, you know, just, you know, Wolverine is definitely probably my favorite comic book character. If I had to pick one single one, okay, it's probably Wolverine. Nice. So, and you've been primarily an inker through your career? Yes, yes. I've been inking now professionally for just over 20 years now. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I look back and I'm like, wow, I can't have been doing this for a minute now. Right. So, you start going through your archives and you're like, right. oh, this no, is that, me. And then I realize, like, I'm, I'm old. Right. Also, so it's, it's I, a, I would not say that you, you are experienced. Exactly. Experience. I'll take that experience. I like that. Now, when you go down, sit down to ink. What is the first thing that grabs your eye when you get that draft page? Well, at this point now, I've been doing it so long. I kind of have a set formula of what I do. And then okay. And I'll look at a page when I get a page. I'll kind of look it over it, and in my mind, I'll plan out what I want to do. But then I'll sit down and I'll just do all the technical stuff first, cars, buildings, anything that's going to require a ruler or a French curve or a circle template. I'll get that stuff out the way. Then I whip out my brush. Anything organic, I'll use a brush. Really? And then I'll knock it out with the brush. Okay. And then I'll spot the blacks and clean up, do a little cleanups, and she's out the door. Okay. So. Now, since you've been an inker, has there been a character in particular that you have wanted to do that you have not had a chance to yet? Artists, pencils. Okay. 
that oh, I yeah, really yeah. love to work with. So I got a bucket list. I've actually, look, I just worked with Chris Sprouse. I got to check him off my list on, okay. uh, I think, the issue of Black Panther. Mm-hmm. So luckily, I said, oh, I can cross, you know, Chris off the list. So, so yes, yeah, stuff like that. So I'm always just about, you know, I'm always, you know, about the pencils and working with the different artists. And, you know, there's so many talented people out here. You know, if I get an opportunity, I just got an opportunity in Kevin Nolan. You know, in a couple of pages in, uh, uh, was it Doctor Strange 25? Right, Doctor Strange 25. So I was slam busy, but mm-hmm. when they say Kevin Nolan, I was like, oh, <laughs> Kevin Nolan, I'll make time for Kevin. You know, awesome. that kind of thing. So that's where I'm really just like artist, you know, driven per se. Okay, fantastic. And where can people find your work on social media? You have a QR code at your booth <laughs> that, <laughs> that nobody has. I thought we I about. thought I was ahead of the, the curve, but this technology was introduced. I was like, oh, you can just scan it and it'll take you to all your social medias, mm-hmm. and and it just kind of came and went. You can find me on Instagram at Dexstar71. Okay, and on Twitter, Dexstar Inks, and Facebook under my name, Dexter Vines. Fantastic. So. Thanks for taking the time, Dexter. Your work is absolutely incredible. I look forward to more of it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now joining the show is Michonne's stunt double. Welcome to the show, Demita Jane. Thank you for having me. So tell me what that is like. Now that Walking Dead is coming up on 100 episodes, it is a huge landmark. And you have been involved, well, not necessarily since day one, but since Michonne's yes. day one. Yes. Tell me about that journey. Um, it's been amazing. It's been fun. It's um I'm just so thankful to be a part of it. I mean, I think I'm probably the double that's been around the longest. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Everyone okay. else has had some switching out, but I've been around. Well, yeah, I was going to say with some uh, character, anybody who is, you know, who is not caught up on Walking Dead, uh, there have been some character changes, sure. shall we say. There have <laughs> so, been. So not everyone is around anymore. It's true. It's true. But okay. uh, Michonne's around, and I'm thankful. I hope they keep her forever. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you get to carry around a katana. That is pretty amazing. It, it is amazing. And, you know, she wields uh, her sword herself for the most of the time. She loves to say that I do her scary stuff. Right. And stuff that like could kill her. Stabbing the governor through the eye. I did stab the governor through the eye. I killed Penny. Yum. Um, yeah. I do the dangerous stuff, and she she loves to wield the sword. I think she actually probably was doing that before she was Michonne. So. Really? Now, tell me more about your background before Walking Dead. What were some of those kind of marquee projects that you know really got you into this? That was uh, probably my first really big job, and it's certainly okay. the show I've been on the longest. Um, I got into stunts by playing roller derby. Awesome. And in 08, uh, Drew Barrymore made a movie called Whip It. She did. Mm-hmm. And she needed someone to skate for Eve, so I just happened to fit the bill. I was skating at the national level at that time, and I was the right size. So that was the beginning. But I've had the opportunity to work on some awesome shows. I mean, Captain America Civil War, the Hunger Games, Mockingjay movie. I like how you say that nonchalantly. Just like, <laughs> oh, I've worked on some things. Like Captain America Civil War. What? Just throw that out there. It's one of my shows, yeah. Okay. And it's pretty cool because it's, it's Dexter's comic book. So it's, right. Right. So that was a special one for me. Excellent. Yeah. What is a project that you would love to do next? Even though, yes, you said Michonne, you want to yes, do that forever. I want to do that forever, yes. But on top of that, what else is next for you? What would be something that you would love to do? Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of stunt acting recently. Okay. So I would love to, to transition and do more acting than, than the stunts. Stunts have been good to me. It's really hard on your body. 
Yeah. Um, and I'd like to walk when I'm older. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always good to be able to walk. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's where I'm headed. You could also maybe one of these days get behind the director's chair like John Wick. It's now they true. started out as stunt people and then ended up being able to do their entirely new thing. The 8711 guys are super awesome. Mm -hmm. they, um, they've done a lot for my career, actually. They really? are the ones who hired me to work um, Mockingjay okay. and, and Captain America Civil War. So I owe a great debt to those guys. They're so definitely a huge shout out to the 8711, 8711 crew. 8711 crew, yes, yes, absolutely. Awesome. And then where can people find you on social media to kind of see all of your projects that you are involved in? Like little things like Captain America, you know. <laughs> yeah. The little stuff. Um, well, I'm certainly on IMDb, so okay. you can see everything I'm working on there. And uh, Instagram, I'm Demita Jane. Fantastic. Just that easy. Keep it easy. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time, Demita. Thank you so much for having me. All right, we are now back in the uh, I would say modified studio, but it is not a modified studio because I'm all the way across the country. Uh, we're brag. Whatever. Uh, we are in the <laughs> pseudo curly nerd studio, aka Jess's man cave. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, kind of. <laughs> you have yeah. a big, you have a big TV and a bunch of video games. Uh, nice couch setup. You know. Yeah, it's like a comfy couch. It's not fancy. You know, it's just like yep. Yeah, it's it's a man cave. Like I'm not even kidding you. Wow. My <laughs> quotes of the air roommate when he came in town actually like decorated. Because he was like, this place looks like a man lives here. And I'm like, I'm not a decorator. That's why I need a gay man's touch to like put Boosted. things up. Like he actually put the pictures up and everything. Oh. Yeah. I didn't have anything up. I had nothing. He put that mirror. I Yeah. It's definitely a man cave. All right. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, if you are listening to this and wondering why things sound a little bit different also. So Damien, unfortunately, had to take an early flight uh, home. So he is joining us via the uh, FaceTime machine. Yes. But I'm still coming in crystal clear. Absolutely, crystal still clear. Still coming in crystal clear. Live and direct. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So yeah, so now that we're back, I did want to say a huge shout out and thank you to everybody that I interviewed. Uh, so Frank Cho, you can find him on Instagram as his main uh, area, which is Frank Cho Artist. Uh, Damien and I have talked about Frank Cho before for a long time. Absolutely one of our favorite artists. Man, top five for me. Yeah, and the other thing that, I mean, to go quickly on that tangent, uh, one of my top three artists of all time, this also goes to show that I do not really know that much, like classical art and renaissance art, but my top, one of my top three favorite artists of all time is Alex Ross. Mm. Oh, you're kidding. His booth. It's not Monet. No. It's not Van Gogh. Not Degas. It's not Degas. Yeah. Not Basquiat. No. No. Uh, you yeah. know who? Alex Ross. Alex Ross. <laughs> Alex Ross. I mean, Legit. but again, you can stand toe to toe with all of those. Like, forget that he does comics and all of that. His art and what he is able to create is phenomenal. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I mean, in the amount that he's charging for the pieces of art, I'm like, you are a legit artist because I'm yeah. not paying five thousand mm -hmm. dollars for a painting of Wonder Woman, sir. Yeah. But you know what? There was someone actually should, I mean, we can come back around to this, but who was the rapper that was walking around Alex Ross with his big shiny jewelry on looking at the art to buy? Mm -hmm. Did you did you notice that? I mean oh. 
it could have oh, been wait, me. I don't think you were with me. I was with. I wasn't with you guys. Yeah. Oh, oh dang like, it! Oh, I wasn't with you guys. It was when you and John were wandering around somewhere else. I was looking at the Alex Ross art, and there was a young man with a blingy chain who mm. I know is some kind of a hip hopper or possibly, possibly a <laughs> producer of the hip hoppity hippity hoppity music. Right. But uh, yeah, he had the full on like iced out chain and everything. And I'm like, who is that? I'm not familiar, but I bet you he's probably a producer. Like, cause a lot of those music producers are geeks secretly, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And he was looking at the, at the Alex Ross art. And I'm trying not to stare. Because, of course, if I'm staring, then he probably thinks I'm trying to holler. But I'm like, mm-hmm. I wonder who this young gentleman is who is looking at the Alex Ross. That was Well, I mean, cause the, cool. one of the only rappers that I knew was there because he had a booth was Darren McDaniels. Run DMC. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, he has he, a comic He's not, he not going to buy an Alex right. Ross. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so to get back to Frank Cho, so Frank Cho, one of my favorite comic book artists, uh, absolutely incredible. Definitely go find his stuff uh, online, buy it. It is accessible. Uh, he was doing commissions at the con, and it is crazy. I was standing at his booth before we did the interview, uh, and this guy comes over that he had talked to the day before about some commission, and this guy just starts. Whips out a wad of hundreds and was like, here you go, Mr. Cho. <laughs> Madness. So that, I, I would love to get How much to was point. it? Like, you had to be counting. How much, I, I did count. How much was it? Uh, th- there were there were only three numbers. There were only three digits in this number. It was... Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. But it was still like, I'm just watching this go down. Like, that is incredible. If I had the ability to, I would love to support Frank Cho in that way. But instead... I I mean I have so many of his single issues, so many of his trade paperbacks. He has yeah, a I, ton I, of I stuff. I just buy his books. I think that maybe um, you might want to beep some of that out so he, the IRS doesn't come after him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was all cash. I know. I'm like, um, yeah. I mean, this is just a conversation between three friends. Right. Uh, <laughs> how much How much did they give him? Beep. So it's a long beep. Right. Uh, bleep that Nobody out. Nobody knows. Yeah. That's, uh, that's amazing, though. But the commissions are the coolest. Some absolutely. of the coolest thing, one of, a, of many cool things when you go to a con is being able to have someone just sit there, draw something especially just for you. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, get, do you bought some commission art, i've got right? i've got a couple before yeah. i didn't get any this year i've got a couple before I've n- um, i haven't i've never done it i haven't done it yeah it's i i like to do the ones where they do like the quick little sketches because mm-hmm. the actual well-drawn ones usually run up into uh, uh places where my budget doesn't really go the way my checking account uh, is set up <laughs> yeah, i got a checking account and right. savings account <laughs> exactly yeah but yeah frank cho is definitely one like if if i were going to spend three four five hundred dollars on the commission frank cho is one of a couple of people that i would i would fork out the money for hands down yeah he's so, he's that good he is incredible uh after that uh you heard dexter vines who when i told damien that i got to interview dexter vines damien was like I know that guy. I know his work. So he was of awesome. Of course Damien knows who that is. Oh, he knows true. who everybody is. Yeah. Who's the a... letterer? You met the letterer? <laughs> right. The guy that writes letters? <gasps> oh my God. I love his work. I read your words all the time. That's mm-hmm. Damien. Yeah. I mean, hey, it all it's all part of the creative process. And, and Dexter <laughs> Vines, is, he's one of those guys that he's worked with like Steve McNiven. Um, he's, he, 
he's probably most well known for working with Ed McGinnis, mm-hmm. who John, John and I were kind of talking about a little bit. He does a lot of his work with Ed, uh, Ed McGinnis, and they even have their own nickname when they work together called Edex. Nice. Uh, you know, black man from mm-hmm. Atlanta. You know, my dude. Uh, he also inked the Civil War. He did. Series. Jessica. So he's out there getting it. <laughs> he is. He's out uh, there getting it. So you can follow him on Instagram at Dexstar71. Uh, I bought one of his prints. It was one of the Ed McGinnis Nightcrawler uh, black and white prints, and he signed it. I mm. love Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, I'm putting it on record now. I will cosplay Night Nightcrawler at some point. Did you see the <gasps> Did you see the guy cosplay? So black, the good. black guy cosplay so Nightcrawler good. with that costume you like. Yep, the, the old school, school Excalibur style costume. It was yep. also incredible. With the shoulder pads and yep. yeah. It was awesome. So yeah. I didn't see the tail though. I didn't see the tail, but I know exactly. you said you're gonna you're gonna pull some tricks out. Mm-hmm. I, I happen to know some people who have competed on the global level global level for cosplay who represent a team USA. So I have some ideas for what I want to do with the tail that I have not really seen done before. So one of these days, uh, after Dexter Vines talks to Demita Jane or Demita Jane Howard, which is how she's listed on IMDb. This woman, I I would have loved to talk to her for like 30 minutes because she has so many stories. I mean, she came from the world of roller derby. And you look at this woman. This is a tough, strong woman. So... It was great talking to her. Like she said in the interview, she has been Michonne's stunt double for quite a while, but she has done a ton of stuff, uh, including, of course, Captain America's Civil War and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. She did some stunt unit work for that. So she is incredible. Uh, Mainly, you can just go to her IMDb page, Demita Jane Howard, look through her stuff. Uh, She is on social media uh, a little bit, so go check her out so thank you thank you thank you to all of the people that i got to interview uh yeah so now have it, we... it, oh yes damien oh i was i was gonna say it's funny that you mentioned that she started in roller derby because her first credited entry in imdb was a, a movie called whip it yes indeed she talked about that in the the interview yeah. um because yeah they, they needed people who knew what they were doing for roller derby and could look the part and she was like uh, skater national level right here. She's like, I like to beat up people on roller skates. Mm-hmm. That movie, that movie is a guilty. That movie is a guilty, uh, a guilty pleasure of mine. Sorry. Really? Okay. No shame. Emphasis. That's all I'll say about pleasure. it. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Uh, I mean, whatever works works. Yeah, true. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention that I kept meaning, and I even put it in the show notes and everything. I meant to mention at the very top of the show, but I'll mention it now before we get into the rest of the New York Comic-Con coverage. That is a lot of C's. Uh, as of today, Wednesday, when you're listening to this episode, you can now get some awesome merchandise with my face on it. And I say my face when really I meant my logo's face on it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, not your face. <laughs> uh, as of right, like as of recording right now, Jess is wearing my face. Yes, I am. I am wearing my face yes, twice because I got on my face and I'm on my shirt. shirt. <laughs> uh, so you can go to about to review dot threadless dot com. Uh, I only have kind of a couple designs up right now looking to get some more, but you can get men's and women's T-shirts and hoodies. You can also get some mugs 
That was one of the options. That's actually cool. Uh, I definitely might be getting some of those for Christmas presents for people. <laughs> so, You're welcome. Uh, and the iPhone cases. So definitely, if you want to check out uh, aboutreview.threadless.com, support this show that you like so much. I almost said love so much. I do not know how much people love this. Everyone loves your show. Oh, I thank you. Uh, but yeah, so that would be great. I would love to see pictures of people wearing my face. Uh, on the website, you can see Jess wearing my shirt. And a couple other models. I think Damien is going to be up there once he tries his on. Eventually. Yeah, once I unpack. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, that would be great. Cool. So that is some t-shirt news. Now, on to New York Comic Con 2017. Jess and Damien, you both went all four days. Four exhausting <laughs> long days, yes. 30,000 mm-hmm. steps a day, yep. How many? Oh, 30,000. Oh, no, 20,000. Well, two of the days hit 20,000. One of them just under 30,000. Jeez. That is a That was lot probably of the day that I had getting off the train going in the wrong direction, though. No, it was. It was turn around. Oh, wait, which day? Because I feel like no, it more than once. If you don't. Listen, sir. <laughs> sir. Sir. It was a day I'm not that we. I uh, disrespect you out of your own podcast. <laughs> I get a little turned around at times. The subway. Okay. This. So, full disclosure, this is my first time in New York. <laughs> so, when we were riding around on. The subway, at one point, it was like, take the subway, the E line, and then you take the L, and it looked like the L was a bus, because a little bus symbol. So I was like, cool. Start walking up to, like, the street to catch a bus, because that, <laughs> that is where you catch buses in the Northwest. No, the L is a train. Yes. Not a bus. They're all, there's, there's numbers and letters, sir. And it was just, uh, Numbers and letters and colors. Confusing. Yeah. It was, it was actually the day that we walked 10 blocks to go two blocks. To have lunch. Uh, oh, you and I? Or the, no, all of us. No, that was all of us. Oh, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, but, you know, it, it builds character. When we walked past the place we initially... <laughs> we walked past the place, like literally did this huge loop. And we're like, oh, we might as well eat here 100 yards from where we started. Right, yeah, I was like, wow. Yeah, that was good times. Yeah, we're going on an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it, Bilbo. Uh, but for you guys, since you were there all four days, how does this compare to the other cons? Because you guys have been to a bunch of cons over the years. How did this one compare by going all four days? Was it too much? Was it just enough? You want to go first? I'll go first. Um, I, I will say that I've, I've been to, I've been to quite a few cons. I've been to San Diego Comic Con like five or six times. Been to Emerald City, what, two, three times? And this is my second time at New York City Comic Con. You've been to the one in Houston, and too, sir. Been to the one in Houston a few times as well. So I've been. He was not even a rep for his own city. <laughs> no. Man. In the world. That's because they left a bitter taste in my mouth last year. Oof. But they uh <laughs> been to a lot of them. Okay. So in terms of comparing it to other years, uh, I, I I can say that between last year and this year, I think they improved in certain things. New York City Comic Con. One thing that they do well compared to San Diego is that they do line management very well. Yes, and absolutely. and they do and they try to make it so that more people could see panels. So unlike San Diego, San Diego doesn't clear out the panel rooms once a panel is done. If you want to stay in there all day, you can stay there all day. Mm-hmm. But New York City Comic Con, they clear it out and give other people a chance to come in and see it. Which uh, is good because it means that the lines move more and you don't have to camp out overnight mm-hmm. to see a panel. 
it's right, uh, they also I, do the the tap your badge thing. It's almost like when you tap right. your badge, it's like you get that spot reserved. You tap your yep. badge to go into the room, and so then you don't. It's kind of like how at San Diego they give you wristbands, but this one just seems better. I don't know. I just like it. It's you're, it's better, or it, I will agree, it's better organized with. Yeah, people it's, being it's a lot more. It's a lot more efficient. Um, what is funny, like what I noticed right away, and maybe this is just the the operation side of my brain, the maintenance staff and the facilities staff was incredible. Almost every time I would go to the restroom, which was a crazy line, there would be someone in there cleaning up the paper towels. Yeah, that is picking true. up like yes. the trash yeah. was picking up was getting picked up constantly. So I mean that is something that I think unfortunately a lot of people do not notice because that means they're doing their job really well. But I definitely notice it. So I mean huge shout out to the, just the facilities services because I always saw yeah. people cleaning up tables, taking out trashes. And yeah, I was I was impressed with that many people in that relatively small of space. Even though Javits Center is gigantic, never really saw trash on the ground. Mm-hmm. The bathrooms were always clean, mm-hmm. which especially when you're dealing with a bunch of geeks for right. four days. Right. Yes. Um. So okay. It's yeah. The other thing I, I like about New York City Comic Con, the the big difference between it and San Diego is that San Diego is really a huge, huge industry driven spectacle mm-hmm. of a con and nycc really focuses more on creators and getting close and intimate with them so if, if you have a favorite creator especially in the comic book world you really have a good opportunity to get close to them like the interviews that you got uh, that you got mm-hmm. at the nycc you probably would not have gotten in san diego at all no at really? all there's no way yeah because it's, it's it's just not it's not that conducive to getting that close to to the artist and the artist alley in San Diego is just kind of pushed way back in the corner. And I've it's actually not visible. never been to an artist alley in San Diego. I don't even know where it right. is. Right, it's it's at the very back corner of the convention floor that no one <laughs> ever goes to, hmm. which kind of sucks. And in in NYCC, they get their own level, their own floor, basically, and. And it's packed. Yeah. And it was really packed this year. So it was, that's it was super packed. And that was one of the, the other issues uh, that I mean, is my fault. Since I was carrying my equipment, my recording equipment in a case, hmm, trying to navigate through tens of thousands of people is difficult as it is. I ran over so many toes hey, man, this that's, weekend. That, that's the oh, risk well. Yeah, that's the risk taking on the con, you know. Like, oh, well. You say beep, beep, excuse me, beep, beep, <laughs> beep, beep, excuse me. Watch the case, please. Uh, one of the interviews, speaking of which, that I did not get a chance to do, um, I was up in the press room for a little bit just kind of getting some stuff together. Humble brag. And <laughs> the super <laughs> air-conditioned press room. You're welcome. Uh, that place was... Yo. It was nice. It was nice and cold in the press room. I yeah. got to give it to him. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get a chance to go up there. Uh, so anyway, so the press room, um, I sat down with Jamie Broadnax, uh, who is the creator of BlackGirlNerds.com. Talked to her for a few minutes, and then after we got done, I was like, hmm, easily could have brought out my recorder and talked about totally, that. Totally, yeah. It was just because we were just having a fun conversation. One of, the big thing, one of the big things they are working on is Universal FanCon which is going to be in April in Baltimore. So I may or may not be going to Universal Fan Con, but huge shout out to Jamie 
she is just such a cool person. Jess and I talked about her before I got the chance uh, to actually meet her. Watching her progress over the past couple years and the amazing work she has been doing with Black Girl Nerds and getting it to a platform and a level where she is getting to do absolutely incredible things and have some incredible people help out with that project. So big shout out to Jamie Broadnax. I will be interviewing her soon and possibly I will be going to Universal FanCon in April in Baltimore. Uh, to the panels at New York City Comic Con, I did not really go to any panels because we tried to go to one on Sunday and got turned away. Rude. Yeah. Uh, but you guys got to go to some panels. Mm-hmm. Tell me about them. So well, the first panel that we were able to see, we went to on Thursday, right, Damien? Is that when we saw the Pacific Rim panel? Was that is correct. No, that was Friday. No, it was Friday. It was Friday. Yeah, so we got to go to the Pacific Rim panel on Friday, which was at the uh, was Madison Square Garden. So they had some offsite mm-hmm. um, venues for some of the panels. One was Madison Square Garden. The other one was the Hammerstein Ballroom. Mm-hmm. And we were able to go to the Pacific Rim um, panel and saw John Boyega and all the actors and Clint Eastwood's son. What is his name? Scott or something. <laughs> Scott. Yeah, yes. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, so Scott Eastwood. Um, so Alpha Chi Alpha. <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, so yeah, we got to see that, and it was cool. I mean, you know how much I love John Boyega. That's my guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, which we'll get to later, we the, what they showed us was the trailer that we'd already seen. <laughs> the super exclusive Comic-Con yeah, trailer. That, that, that was already... the night before when we went to go see Blade Runner. Right. But um, yeah, it was cool. It was really nice and it was fun. and I, It was nice. Um, unfortunately, though, at the exact same time, like they do at every single con, mm-hmm. there's always two things maybe even three that you might want to see and they're all going on at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. The Hey Arnold panel was going on, which is one of my favorite cartoons, even as an adult. Like I watch, Hey, I would watch Hey Arnold every <laughs> single night. <laughs> Damon before and I, I went never there. seen it. Go through the Kanye shrug. Never you seen it. You guys aren't, uh, you guys are like old, the, the nerdy nerds, the, like the nerdy nerds are like, actually I only play, um, obscure video games. I don't actually appreciate the fine, uh, the, high quality television that Nintendo, the, uh, the, that, hey, that, Arnold. Nintendo that Nickelodeon <laughs> has to offer. <laughs> no, but for real, so I was excited about that. So okay. being able to see, you know, my friend sent me the trailer and was mm-hmm. Snapchatting. So, I mean, that was a cool panel and seeing people's cosplay, um, but the we actually ended up going back to the Hammerstein Ballroom later that day, and we got to see the um, it was Adult Swim Robot Chicken right. panel, and they were doing because they have a special that was actually on I believe Sunday night. Uh, oh really? On. It's the Walking Dead special where they which uh. they showed us this really extended clip. Awesome. A kind of it, which was hilarious. And, you know, Robot Chicken is kind of hit or miss for me, but mm-hmm. when they do some of these, it's hilarious. And turning certain scenes into musicals, like Amazing. when Merle, Merle's on the roof, when on the first episode, mm-hmm. second episode, and he's handcuffed to the roof after mm-hmm. saying the racial slurs and being misogynistic and everything else. And they have him, like, singing, like, almost like American Tales somewhere out there, but singing, <laughs> like... Just it was just so funny. It was okay. like just little and musical numbers. One of my favorite clips they showed was when Negan is he's just in his leather jacket and the jeans and everything. He's like there's something missing from this outfit, and then he sees Snoopy lying on top of his doghouse and he yanks the, the red yes scarf on. <laughs> he puts it on. Like it was super funny, but that was actually really fun. And those guys, 
like um Breck and Meyer and Seth Green mm-hmm. and Macaulay Culkin is there and um Matt Stein Steinreich and Tom yes, Root. All those guys. Root. No, not Root. Um was it no was Tom Root up there? That's Whoever his name, Tom Root. Um, them just like their banter and the way yeah. they joke and like they genuinely love their job and they genuinely like each other and they mm-hmm. crack you know it's super funny so it's nice when you get to see that like when the difference between someone like uh, when you see a panel like Pacific Rim these are just all actors had to work together yeah. but when it's like you know the robot chicken these guys are all friends mm-hmm. who had this idea it's like when like Matt Parker Trey Stone or Matt Tr- Matt Stone Trey Parker right. you know when people are like BFFs Mm-hmm. And they do something together, and to see the energy between the two of them, that was like what I really enjoyed about that panel. Like it was really great. Yeah. One thing with that, how you said that they kind of created this. Uh, let me put my nerd glasses up. There uh, we go, Damien. You might remember. Uh, <laughs> so, first of all, there used to be a magazine called Wizard, which you remember also. I'm not that nerd. Uh, okay, so Damien, <laughs> Wizard magazine, right? Bruh. Wizard magazine. There was a. A side, not a side version, another book that came out around that same time called Toy Fair. And it talked about all the toys, did the same mm-hmm. thing the Wizard did. Talked about news I remember. and all of that. There used to be a comic strip in there called Twisted Toy Fair. Where it would take yep. those old Mego dolls and make word balloons, do this thing. They made two collected editions, Twisted Toy Fair Volume 1 and 2. The Ford of which was by Kevin Smith. Looking at those, that is Robot Chicken. And it was years before Robot Chicken ever did it. Uh, so they had inspiration. Right. Um, and I, I think Seth Green. Imitation. Seth Green was one Potter. of the writers on Twisted Toy Fair. Uh-huh. So, but after doing that for so long and having such a great concept and being like, all right, how to take this to the next level. And Robot Chicken is still on. Yeah. It is one of the only adult swim shows that has lasted this long. It's been over 10 years. Which is madness. Yeah. Like that was almost back when Adult Swim was good. Uh, back then, <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, Rick that's and Morty, what I'm saying. Yes. But there used to be like when Adult Swim first came out, phenomenal, and like the second wave was kind of weird, and now it is getting better again. The okay, the look on Jess's face that she is giving me, whatever. Rick and Morty is great. Yes, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Rick and Morty is awesome. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um. Okay. So. I was gonna say one other panel that we actually oh, yeah. got to see, which was actually a highlight, and it were it was awesome. We have a friend, shout out to our homie Joe, uh, hooked us up with a he got won the lotto to get into the Runaways oh, panel for right. Hulu. So we actually got to watch the pilot episode, that first episode, oh, the full the episode, full episode Ooh. of Runaways. Full episode. Runaways is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite comics. And we got to watch the whole episode, and it did not disappoint. We were extremely yep. happy with what we saw. Like I am and, really looking forward to it. And make sure you tune in to this week's Curly Nerd podcast for a detailed breakdown of that panel yeah. and our uh, our thoughts on the Runaways. Yes, I'm like not super detailed. I mean, don't want to give away spoilers. Uh, but then again, if you read the comic book, it's not right. a spoiler. Well, that <laughs> is you know, as you said, so far from the pilot. They're hitting on all cylinders. Oh, I was waiting yes. for like certain things to show up, and they did. I was like, "Awesome! There it is! Yes, <laughs> I knew it!" And everyone's cheering. Like it was great. Yep. It was. It was really great. So, Damien, when does Runaways drop on Hulu? Uh, November twenty first. Okay. They 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 burn that into our skulls. Oh really? So I will. I will. Uh, that will be the week that I head to Seattle. Mm-hmm. So that might be. Uh, you know. 
that might be something okay. that gets discussed around that time. Now, Just is saying. it something that's going to be on Hulu? Are they going to do it weekly or drop it all? Do they say? I think that's what Hulu oh. does, though. Yeah, Hulu usually Hulu does theirs weekly. Drop them all at once. They do it weekly, okay. like a regular television network they don't do like netflix where you can just oh, I binge were... everything okay they do it what they time. might do because i think with the handmaid's tale didn't they do all f- didn't they do the first three episodes at saying. once I know that recently they have done a couple things something like that, like that to get you hooked yeah, yeah. kind of like i mean cbs did the same thing with star trek discovery you know you get right to watch the first two they, episodes they did give some information on the second episode of Runaways, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did premiere those. Like a one If, if they yeah. premiere those back-to-back, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Okay. I'm really intrigued. Oh, so good. Nice. Cool. So uh, after the panels, Damien, since uh, the artists are one of the big things that you love just in your collection, and you talked about Artist Alley, who are some specific artists that you saw this year either maybe for the first time or the... Whew. Tenth time that you still can they catch your eye every time? Ooh, um, obviously Frank Cho is one of them. Mm-hmm. Frank is, uh, and, and Frank is a guy. He doesn't go to all the cons, I don't think, but I, I've seen him a few times. Uh, as, as we were walking through, you, you remember I was pointing out a lot of them to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivier Coipel was there. He's one of my favorites. Does a lot of work with Thor. Mm-hmm. And uh, French gentleman, black gentleman, very good. Uh, Umberto Ramos was there. The, the, the Quintus. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew it was coming. Shade. Uh, so shady. I was just about to mention that also. Um, but also, I mean, speaking of Thor, I mean Walter and Louis Simonson. Right. Were they were both there. So that and that's that's another good thing. Um, and I, I'm, I can't really pinpoint like a favorite because. The good thing about NYCC is that it it has a showcase of both older established artists as well as a lot of the new artists as well. Mm-hmm. So of course Neil Adams was there. Yep. Both uh, Andy and Adam Kubert. Yeah. Were in attendance as well, and then on the flip side of that, obviously you had artists like Steve McNiven, who's who's been doing a good job with DC now, but was with Marvel before. Hmm. Um. And then, then there are a lot of indie artists out there. And the, the the cool thing about the way that Artist Alley is set up, it's not set up alphabetically. It's not nope. set up in any particular order. So you have people who are well-established mainstream artists right next to indie artists. And mm-hmm. you, you have an equal chance to discover everyone if you've never come across them before. Well, and, that, and so, I also liked that because, again, yeah, that it can happen sometimes at, at cons where the front of the room has those big blockbuster people. You get back towards the corner and you get the indie guys. I really liked that. I mean, the Kuberts, they were in the back. Like, they were yep. towards the back of the room. It was not like they were right up front, even though everybody knows their stuff. So right. that was just really cool. I liked the way they mixed up. I have no idea how they decided to do that, but it, it just it <laughs> makes sense. And I, and I really like that they gave that equal chance to anybody because yeah, you can have your independent booth sitting next to somebody like Frank Cho which yep. is is awesome. Yep, and it's it's it's, it's phenomenal. I think it's I think it's perfect. I think it's, I think it's fair, and it makes I think from an artist's perspective, it makes you feel as valued as the next person mm-hmm. because they're not they're not showing obvious favoritism to people that are more popular simply because they're with a mainstream studio. Absolutely. There were a lot of art. Yeah, there were a lot of artists there that. On, on the indie side that could probably blow away a lot of the major uh the major guys but 
Yeah, they, they have equal footing, so it was great. Nice. And Jess, you are sitting next to a stack of comic books that you picked up this weekend. Tell me about some of these stack of comic books you have. So Damien and I uh, were actually wandering around looking for our fr- well, for a friend of ours mm-hmm. to go meet up, and we ended up stopping at the Stranger Comics booth, mm-hmm. and we got uh, convinced by the is he the creator, the editor, like uh, he's the he's the he's the actual president and owner of the company, Sebastian Jones. Yes, and also one of the writers of right. which is going to be spoiler alert a comic book our comic of the book of the week is Niobe, which is the comic book that's kind of inspired by Amanda Steinberg, um, mm-hmm. or Oop. is it Stenberg or Steinberg? Stenberg, I think it's, I think it's Stenberg. Stenberg who played Rue in yeah, the Hunger Games. In the Hunger Games, and she actually is part of the book. They modeled her kind of after it. Yes, she is. The artwork is modeled after her, but it's basically he sold us. I got Ooh, the boy, did he? He, he did. Like <laughs> we got prints that he threw in. He signed the books. He gave us special edition only for the con comic books. Mm-hmm. But it was uh her her origin story. Unta- like, so we have Untamed, Dusu, like all these different books that we ended up buying. So it's really cool because they're all black characters. Mm-hmm. I believe they're like African characters. That's mm-hmm. kind of the idea. It's almost a Black Panther look to it, you right. know. Yeah, they're but definitely not some like super superheroy. It, 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 it reminds me a lot of like an Image comic where it's not your cliche typical uh, superhero type comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. We'll get into detail in our show. The so Curly make, Nerd Podcast. <laughs> make sure so, to listen to. So listen to the Curly Nerd Podcast. Episode 82 of the Curly Nerd <laughs> Podcast yeah. dropping well, this week. We talk about it. But I, I do. Uh, but I yeah, do. We got I, some. We got some good comics. Um, I, I do want to say this about. Um, I do. I do want to say this about Stranger Comics. Again, uh, NYCC is a perfect platform for an indie, uh, an indie platform like that. Mm-hmm. Because Sebastian Jones was, I'm not even going to say he was hustling. He was he was very passionate Ooh, about his work. Very passionate. And, he sold me. And I was going to buy. I was going to buy Naomi. That was it. Yeah. I was going to buy that one. One comic book for what, fifteen bucks? And I was like, I'm good. Next thing I know, I'm dropping a hundred dollars on a bunch of books. I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, the funny thing is that when people are have that passionate to me, they don't have to sell it to me. I just buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, I like, just buy it. Like, he's so passionate and he's trying to sell. It. I'm like. Wrap it up, homie. I'm going to buy it. You know, like yeah. you don't need to keep trying to sell me on it. Mm-hmm. I believe you. Let me buy it. Yeah. I'll buy it just to support you because I know that you're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. I'll buy yeah. it because you're going to sign it. I'll also buy it because you're going to throw in three prints. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't. Yeah. Okay. Wrap it up, buddy. I know. <laughs> and by the way, it also it. it also looks good and is very well written. Yes. And when you when you put all that together with someone who's passionate about their work, you you have to support that. Mm-hmm. That's That's exactly what we're always asking for. And he's right there making the best of the opportunity. So yeah. kudos awesome. to uh, yeah, to Stranger Comics, man. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Those are the main ones you guys picked up. Uh, some of my thoughts, because, yeah, I was only there for a couple days comparatively to what you guys were doing. One of the things that, to me, separates New York City Comic Con from other cons and other festivals that I have been to, I think due to the fact that it is in New York City, the diversity in both the cosplay and the attendees was incredible. It almost seemed like it was an equal amount of every single race of human being that was there. Did, did you notice that? There, there were so many ethnicities. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a very, very, it's, a, it's more diverse than San Diego, definitely more diverse than Emerald. Hands down. But it was just <laughs> insane. It was like this 
equal amount of representation. Every, yeah, it yeah. was just so great. I love it, and especially with the cosplay. Mm-hmm. It was dope. Yep. Like it's, I just that I think will always be my favorite thing. I think I'm gonna have to say that New York City is my number one favorite cons because mm-hmm. just for that reason alone, yep. because you get to see how everyone is just it's a word that I feel like the nerd family is this big family. You know, like we're okay. all a bunch of geeks who all are passionate about something, but the one thing we have in common is is what has brought us here mm-hmm. to this place. And it's like the judgment free zone. Honestly, that's yes. the place where I turn off my shade meter. You know, it's like it's down mm-hmm. like low. It's down it, it, low. I was like it's down low. It, it's, it's not off. Low. It's down. <laughs> it's down low. <laughs> right. down low. And, I mean granted in my in the intro to the episode, I kinda of threw some shade at this hundred and ten pound Black Panther cosplayer. Uh, but do you buddy. Do you? 110 pounds. Uh, but it was... Yeah. <laughs> He's a little guy. He's having fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can I think about 10 okay. different characters that, uh, that might have worked better. But, but, I mean, yeah, there were... The thing Let about me... Him do him. <laughs> do you, boo-boo? Do boo-boo? Do you, boo? Uh, so when Damien and I were walking around, the, the pictures that I like to take of the cosplayers, you will see a million Harley Quinns. You will see a million Jokers, all of that. I like to see... The old school ones or the different ones. So like there was a Hawkman in an old school outfit. There's a plastic man. Those types of cosplays. Well, one of the guys who was um Solomon uh Solomon Solomon Grundy. Grundy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that was and I was like, how did this yep. guy even know that this guy is cosplaying Solomon Grundy? Because he's so basic. It's like the most mm-hmm. basic, but I'm like, good eye. Yeah. And that's a shocking that you noticed that. Uh there's a couple Pennywises. There was a girl yeah. dressed as Pennywise. But in all blue with blue face, instead of like the red smile mm-hmm. and the red hair and all that, she decided to be the blue version. So was that like the depressed version? Sure, yeah, the sad. Pennywise, yeah. yeah. And a couple of Georgies. Um, I let's. I'm not okay. Here's my judgment. Mm-hmm. I won't do a black girl hand clap, but here's my judgment. <laughs> okay. Why are you letting your children cosplay as Pennywise mm-hmm. or Georgie? That leads me to believe that you took your child who's under the age of 12 to see a movie that I talked about in our podcast that Mm -hmm. a grown man sitting to my left was jumping and (laughs) making (laughs) screechy noises and cursing loudly Mm -hmm. at certain scenes. I'm judging I am I am the, I am not the grown man to the left, by the way, ladies and no, gentlemen. No, no, no. But I mean like the kid is walking around it with a Georgie costume with like the arm missing. Oof. Thing like they went all in. Okay. Dope. That's what's weird to me, you know? Yeah. Have you seen that meme of the little kid dresses pennywise and I was like, That's how you gotta get you quick your kid's gonna get punted or something like that. <laughs> I'm punting that kid. Yeah. Creepy little pennywise. I find that yeah, I'm judging. Okay. Yeah. Uh there's also some crazy elaborate uh, cosplay. There was a a young woman, and she had a bunch of like people working for her. She was in a huge dress. Yeah, she was there all three, di- four days posing. And at one yeah. point, she just sat down like on a stool or whatever, splayed out her dress, which is like twenty feet. It's like a twenty foot I radius. Know what she was supposed to be. <laughs> no idea. Oh, did you see the person cosplaying as the actual convention center? Okay, convention so site. I kept seeing that from the back, and I was yeah. like, "Is that a what Minecraft that? thing?" It was Jeff. And then I saw Frank Cho actually posted on Instagram. Yeah. And he was like cosplaying the convention center. I was yes, like, that is the incredible. Convention center. That was really cool. Um, <laughs> there was a Chic Hydro Five. Uh, yeah, there was. Now I, that was weird. I was like, "Was that?" I think that was advertising. Yeah, it was so weird. Yeah, there was a guy who was an actual bumblebee, and not like the corny like 
stand in Times Square or stand in front of the Bellagio mm. and take pictures with me, Bumblebee, like a full-on gigantic, huge, what you would imagine Bumblebee to look like in real life Sheesh. if Bumblebee was a real Transformer. And, right. You know. And not a terrible character in a terrible series. Movie series, I should say. I enjoy Bumblebee, so I'm gonna have mm. to have ask you to take that back. Mm, not gonna, not gonna take it back. Uh, take but back. The, some of the other over-the-top cosplay, there was a, they seem to be at every con. But Warhammer 40k is this tabletop game, but you get these guys in these ten foot. You know what it is, nerd. Ten, <laughs> ten foot tall suits, and it just like, and they're just trapped because once you stand in a place for too long, right, you can't move. Yeah, and, and Damien and I talked about as we were walking around. If you come to a con in a well-done costume, you need to be prepared to not get anything done that day. That's right, all you're right. going to do. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what they're there for, though. And honestly, like I was saying when we were walking around, I was like, I had a cosplay idea. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, some of these cosplays uh, are just so amazing that I would just feel like I'm just wearing a Halloween costume. Oh, stop <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Some of them are so insanely good. That I'm like, I just, I'm not anything special like did you not to spoil a costume because it will make its debut at some point did you see anybody that was doing that same cosplay i did not i saw two really yeah yeah, I saw yeah. Two girls. it must have been on like thursday or friday then yeah it might have been on different days honestly. okay yeah, yeah i think it was but yeah i did but i and i saw them and i was like Haha, mine was better but then again <laughs> they're just hanging in the closet i didn't wear it so clearly hers was better because she yeah. wore it so you know whatever but yeah i saw a girl we saw a lot of mashups that's always the funniest yes. thing to me about the mashups is like a girl was dressed as not Sailor Moon, but Mercury, Jupiter, one of Venus, the, like some Pluto. girly costume, like okay. school. It wasn't Sailor Moon, but different schoolgirl costume, but had painted her face like the Heath Ledger Joker. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, you just laughed. Well, I was like, because <laughs> I didn't think about it. I was like, when I first thought about it, I saw the Heath Ledger in like the nurse costume, and I was trying to picture that as the Sailor Moon. <laughs> You're like, you're like, okay, <laughs> shady. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those are always those are kind of funny. You know, when mm-hmm. they do the random little mashups, I I enjoy those. It's like I want to be my two favorite people. I was saying earlier, yeah. I'm like, so I really love Master Chief, but I also really love Sailor Moon. So I'm gonna mm. be Master Chief Moon, like <laughs> Master Chief with pigtails. I it's like funny it. how people do those little mashups. It's it's cute though. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, so to wrap up. The con coverage for New York City Comic Con. Do you guys have any other uh, any last uh, last thoughts, comments, Damien? Anyone else you want to give a special shout out to for the con? Uh, I mean, just shout out to shout out to everyone that participated and attended. It's it's a celebration of something that we all love and enjoy, and I'm I'm just glad that there is a safe place for everyone to express that in a judgment free zone. Mm-hmm. I know going forward, I will probably not have the energy to go all four days. Yeah, that is I'll commitment. Pick, yeah, I'll pick a day or so and just try try to fit everything into one day and then spend the rest of the time enjoying the city. It's yeah, it's real. By Saturday, I was done. I'm like, I'm yeah, it's real. It's really a lot, and you really should you really should plan out what you want to do when you get there. Number one, to save yourself time. Number two, and maybe more importantly to save yourself money as well because it's easy to get caught up in all the exclusives and everything that's out there but that's that's part of what it's about okay. I, I, I will echo what Jess said in that this is probably my favorite of the conventions because of the intimacy of it and the ability to actually discover new things 
Nice. Uh, one of my takeaways, and this is a brilliant idea that Damien and I were talking about that I am shocked Uh-oh. they do not do. Okay. So, at New York City Comic Con, there are probably close to 100,000 people that go, you know, total over the four days. Uh, I know what he's saying. Why is it at every convention, at every, actually not every film festival I cover, but most conventions, the Wi-Fi and cell coverage is hot garbage. Trash. Hot it garbage. Is trash. And you want people to be posting stuff. So here's my idea. Javits Center and Javits every other con. And yeah, Emerald City. And As and soon as you buy your pass, pay $5 for high-speed Wi-Fi access for the weekend, they will make half a million dollars. Oh, and it's worth Easy. it. Yep. Just and make to it know work. that, because again, they had free Wi-Fi that everyone was connected to. I was. You know, I was still connected from last year. And then when I went oh, to just auto join? Yeah, just auto join. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, seriously, if any con organizer, convention organizer, festival organizer is listening to this, charge for Wi Fi. You will make money. There will be pushback by some people. Do not listen to them. You will make so much Dude, money. You could, yeah, you could tell them nine ninety five for the weekend, and I think people would eat it up. Absolutely, if they knew it was consistent, because that is mm-hmm. the thing. If they charge nine ninety five or four ninety five, it needs to work hundred percent. Because if right. not, it is going to get yeah. bad. Yeah, and it's, I think it's an excellent idea because we'll pay for it. We will. I do it on airplanes all the time. Not all the time, but sometimes yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna buy this Wi Fi on the plane. Yeah, you know, if it's like, a six not? hour. If it's a six hour plus flight, yeah, you probably want to. And yeah, right. like that, do you that. Go on Boingo or whatever. You know, right, when right, it right. overcharges you, but you do it. Right. So cool. <laughs> uh, so for New York City Comic Con. Uh, we're going to rate this convention. Uh, the rating system for this podcast. This is Damien's favorite part of every episode. Uh, <laughs> the rating system. For you just need like a pre-recorded message. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are three choices for ratings. Good, bad, or ugly. No stars. No letter grades. Just good, bad, or ugly. Good, something that you absolutely would recommend. Bad, not really something you would recommend. Ugly, wouldn't recommend at all. So, this is now... The oh gosh, so many cons you guys have been to. You were there for four days. Try not to let that cloud your judgment. Right. Yes, first, good, bad, or ugly. Even though we kind of already talked about it, your official rating. Good, fantastic, Damien. Very good. Um, for all the Sorry, for all sir, the re- uh, can you, it's, it's good, bad, or can, ugly, can you sir. Your answer? Y- yeah, keep it simple. Oh, <laughs> I hate you people. Uh, oh, good, you people. What does he mean by you people? Wow, light skinned people. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm tan. Now. Uh, wow. So much Now. Shit. You are so nasty. And uh, so yeah. <laughs> but your official rating, Damien. It's, it's good for all the reasons that I mentioned before. Plus, mm-hmm. unlike the other cons, getting to and from New York City Comic Con is very easy. Mm-hmm. Public transportation in New York is second to none. And it's hands down better than San Diego when it comes to getting to and from the convention. So good is what you're trying to tell us. <laughs> nice. So good. Uh, what I'm giving it absolutely is is a good as well. This is my first time in New York City. First time in New York City Comic Con, obviously. This con was great. Uh, like Good, a- bad, or ugly. <laughs> good. <sir. laughs> good. There we go. Hey man, uh, don't let her reg- don't let her regulate you on your own show. Stick to man. your rating, sir. <laughs> uh, cool. So it was New York City Comic Con. Now we're going to the review 
for a new movie that is out in theaters right now. It's Blade Runner 2049. And this is the About to Review podcast. Thanks. For <laughs> can we can we skip can we to the uh, yeah. Can we wow. skip to the rating for this can we one? Do the rating system. Nope. Ah, <laughs> uh, weak sauce. Ah, uh, super weak. Before we go into Blade Runner twenty forty nine, do we have to go into yes. it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> what we're going to do is so Jess. Is this going to take three hours like the movie did? Wow. So Jess, <laughs> the original book that the original oh, yes, Blade no Runner. Was based on. So Blade Runner the movie came out in 1982. Yes. The book by Philip K. Dick, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? You love the book. That's love my, Philip love K. It. Dick. Yep, love it. Tell me, tell the listeners about the book who maybe have never read the book. Basically, the book and the movie are very similar, mm-hmm. actually, you know, because I, I read the book first. Uh, okay. I tried to see Blade Runner at... Um, Cinerama? Fremont. No, 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 at the Fremont. Oh, Outdoor Cinema. Yeah, Outdoor Cinema mm-hmm. when I was like 17. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really blurry. So was it in theaters then? So <laughs> you think you're funny? I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> I really do. Mm. Nasty and rude. Uh. This is the nasty rude podcast. <laughs> right. I give you a bad. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, shut up. I hate you. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I mean, I was a kid, and my dad loved Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. I used to watch him watch it. But gotcha. I was like, yeah, it's not my jam. I don't know what this is. It's too young to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was at the outdoor theater, and we all went to go see it. But, you know, under the bridge there by the, you know, the mm-hmm. troll, whatever. Yep. It's kind of blary. Yeah. And it was the director's cut. So I'm thinking, okay, let's go see it. <laughs> Never ended up seeing it again. Mm-hmm. Many years later, uh, a client recommended reading some books or whatever, and she was telling me about The Man in the High Castle. Okay. So I read that. And then that was okay. And then I was like, oh, Philip K. Dick. And I have this thing where I pick one... Um, author and I try to read all of their books. That's wow. how I do books, and that's how I do books. What, that, <laughs> why did that just sound so dumb? I no, I, that's how I be doing them books. So <laughs> how I get my smarts? <laughs> <laughs> I know I can read. Uh, so then I saw I picked up Do Android Dream of Electric Sheep because I knew that was what Blade Runner was based mm-hmm. on. Loved it. I absolutely love Blade Runner or uh, Do Android Dream of Electric Sheep. It's mm-hmm. very good. It's fast paced. It was such a great sci-fi. I was really the whole time I'm reading it, I'm like, is this person a replicant? Is it not? So basically, mm-hmm. it's a story of in the future. Um, why is it every future is just a hot mess? Man. It's this, basically this Wally. Is, every future is Wally. This Except is not Wally, a future that, that, you, that anybody wants. Like right. It is a dystopian, yes. tough, yeah. dark Yes, there's future. no animals. It's rare to have an animal. Yeah. If you have an animal, it's because you're wealthy, and it's because you were able to pay for a... And it is a fake. It is fake. Or- it's a robot, basically. Yeah. And I remember, I like, and they, it's funny when I saw the movie, it's like, do you like our owl? It was the same thing. They had the fake owl, mm-hmm. but it looked real. Like, you mm-hmm. could go, and if you had money, you could go to these pet stores to buy fake pets because no mm-hmm. one had anything. It's basically, like, Snowpiercer, Elysium, all these yep. dystopian, depressing, future. horrible. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, what's not Waterworld? What's the one on land? Mad Max. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what's the original Mad Max? Uh, but basically, the replicants, which are androids, if you will, mm-hmm. that look like humans, they are. What's the word? Sentient. They can start. They yeah, I mean, they're sentient. They were originally created to be slaves. Right. Off-world right. slaves just kind of be a right. labor force. Yes. And then um, Ridley Scott stole that idea when he did Prometheus. And then I'm kidding. Mm. But um, so basically, the main character. What's the main character? Deckard. Deckard. Yeah. Who's Harrison Ford's character in the mm-hmm. movie? Of course, his job is to find out 
who is a replicant and who's a human, right? And mm-hmm. that's his whole that's his whole deal. And that's quote unquote whole, retire them. Right, right, right. AKA kill them. Right. And then that's his whole jam is he's just trying to figure out if somebody's real or not. That's mm-hmm. the whole story. The whole yeah. story. And then same thing at the end of the movie and at the end of the book, is he a replicant as well? You never really know. They kinda hint at it, but you don't really know. So that is the thing is kinda... I I never read the book and so and the book is the same thing. The nice. book is I like, like is he a replicant or is he not? Because even at the end of the book I didn't even think about it. I just still assumed that he was a human but he was going through something. Mm-hmm. I still thought he was a human and then there's been this whole deal with the Blade Runner movie and all these eighteen thousand different director's cuts that mm-hmm. now we're kind of like who shot first? You know. Oh, yeah. so he's actually a replicant, but or is maybe he? not. Yeah. Yeah, still one of those things. And okay, I, I've I've always had a really hard time with the Blade Runner the movie just because it moves so slow. It's it is, very slow. It is a very deliberate uh, movie. It is, I mean, a very neo noir kind of gumshoe detective type movie. But it is, I I fully understand a lot of people who have that complaint. <laughs> About the pacing, uh, it's of, just of re- it's just slow. It's just like wrap it up, B. Like hit the wrap it up button. You know, like I really because the book wasn't slow, which is interesting. The book is not slow at all. I read the Man in the High Castle. To me, that was slow. I was like, this is, book is kind of boring. But like the rest of Philip K. Scanner Darkly. I mean, mm-hmm. all of these other ones. Uh, minority Minority Report, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like his books are cool. You know, like his stories are cool. They move really fast. It's really engaging. You're kind of enthralled in the story. You're like turning the pages like what's mm-hmm. going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Episode? You know, um, the movie I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? <laughs> so I've tried three times to watch Blade Runner. You okay. know, I've never watched it from beginning to end. And every time and I guess I'm not the only one because I've had so many people have these confessions that yeah. they fall asleep in it. And these are my confessions. <laughs> I don't know what rendition <laughs> that was. Uh, Damien, what about what about you? <laughs> what was your, kind of your first exposure to Blade Runner, and did you enjoy it? Well, be, because I'm from Texas and we don't have books, I never read the book. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I read the book a long time ago, like in the uh, sometime in the '80s before y'all were born, and I was I was really impressed by nice. it. Um, I did see. I've seen a few versions of the Blade Runner movie and I can appreciate what it did visually back mm-hmm. when it came out. But I, Which I'm, was what? That's the thing that drives me I'm, crazy about how people are like, but visually it's like, visually it's like what? For it's those of us movie. who were, al- those of us who were alive back then to remember, it was, it was actually visually impressive for its time. And I'm, and for its was, time. I will, I will represent you for that one mainly because Without the visual stylings that was in that, Fifth Element would not be around. So many movies took cues mm-hmm. from that. Fifth Element blatantly rips off so much of yeah. Blade Runner. But Fifth Element, I've seen 8,000 times. I it's love Fifth so Element. much fun. Yeah. It's a fun movie. It's interesting. What is it's bright. Exciting. It is colorful. It's colorful. Yeah. It's not slow and dark and dull and boring. Yeah, but the problem that I did have, that I've always had with the, uh, the original Blade Runner is that I've always been into sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I've always been into it. And the sci-fi that I like is like, shoot them up, bang, bang, let's keep it going. And right. this was basically like a noir detective mystery in uh, the dark future. And I, I was just like, eh, I don't I don't really feel like watching like a Charlie Chan or a Matlock movie right. um, set in the future. But it, it, again, I appreciate what it did visually for its time. I've just never 
I've never rated it highly like other people have because I'm like, yeah, it's it's there's other sci-fi that I like better. Star Wars is better. Star Trek was better. Uh, 2001 Space Odyssey was better. Boom. Was it? <laughs> As he stares intently into the camera that only Jess and I can see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was okay. better. So I mean, but it's also 2001 is not a movie that I recommend to everyone, exactly. John, because um, I know that it's. Wow. Because. <laughs> wow. Because Stanley Kubrick's style is very similar in that it's very, very slow and deliberate in a lot of cases. But I'll wait until we get into this new Blade Runner. It really depends on who's in front of the camera that okay. that makes me want to pay attention to something slow and deliberate. Right. I just felt gotcha. like, you know, when you go to an art museum and there's like a painting on the wall that's basically just white paint on a canvas uh-huh. and you have to stare at it and try to figure out what's going on. And like, OK, so this is art. That's Blade Runner. Okay. Okay. Um, I give it a bad. <laughs> what? You gave... Okay, so 1982. <laughs> well, okay. Not, nope. Not even doing that. I give it a nope. bad. Are we rating the original one? No, I we're not. I didn't say ugly. I said I give it a bad. The nope. book, I give it good. Go re- read the book. Don't watch the movie. And then go see Blade Runner 2049. Okay. Uh, moving right along. So, uh, Blade Runner, the first one. Yeah. I, I really enjoy it. Uh, the final cut which came out recently. That was the definitive version. That was when he finally had... What was the difference? Like 20 extra minutes? Actually, yes. There, see what Damien said. See, Damien be knowing. There's an extended dream sequence with the unicorn that we got to see the whole thing of. Don't care. Huh? (laughs) Yeah, there's... Never mind. Yeah, we don't... Nah, yeah, nah. All right. How many cuts has there been? Six. There's been six (laughs) to to make people go, oh... Yeah, okay, yeah, it's all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's it's good. Yeah. Kanye shrug. Yeah. Yeah. So, nah, bye. But if you're going to watch a version, watch the final cut. Whatever you because say. Because that was Ridley Scott's vision. If you're gonna watch a version, read the book. <laughs> so so watch the words <laughs> on the page. Yes. I mean, and they're much more beautiful. Okay. Alright, cool. So that is a little bit of a history of Blade Runner. Now straight into Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Here's a disclaimer right at the top of this intro or top of this review. This is the only movie that uh, when we had our press screening, there are a lot of things that I cannot discuss during this review. Um, We we were given a list by the director, Denis Villeneuve, um, that we that we cannot talk about. So we're not going to talk about a lot of key plot points and certain things that may or may not happen. Wait, so uh, we can't we can't talk about it? Nope, neither can you. Uh, what what can we not talk about? <laughs> uh, if somebody read if somebody read their episode synopsis, I know. I'm like I'm looking at it right here. Yeah, hmm. I can see it. He says not to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so cut that mic off. Um, okay, beep, beep, beep. so Blade Runner 2049 is takes place 30 years later than the original yep. that took place in 2019, and it picks up. With Ryan Gosling as Detective K, as he is kind of the, I mean, not new Deckard. It just, he is, he has that role of finding replicants because at this point, there has now been an even bigger shift of they are still out there. We need to get rid of them. This is not okay because there are new ones, you know, that the creator is trying to come out with all these things. So, 
immediately it is Blade Runner all over again. It has Blade Runner. It feels, it looks, it smells, it tastes like Blade Runner. And I'm going to use... <laughs> he said smell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to use a, a cliche term, but the term spiritual successor gets thrown around a lot. This movie, Does it? I have never heard someone use that term before. What? You just made that up. No, the no I've, I've, I've heard it. I've heard Thank it. You. Don't confirm anything. <laughs> Thank you. So that term spiritual successor gets thrown around a lot in, in film. This movie, right off the bat, establishes itself, establishes itself as the spiritual successor to Blade Runner from 1982. Because of its similarities, but also with those new takes. Um, right off the bat also... To me, and because there are going to be some differing opinions, the cinematography was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it looks incredible. It looks sharp. It looks real. That is one of those things that when you watch the 1982 version, <laughs> when the kind of hover cars, the police cars lift off, and there's no rumbling, no anything, and you can just tell they're just being like hoisted they're on, up. They're definitely on forklifts. Yeah. Yeah. This one, everything felt real. It felt crisp. Yeah. It felt like a truly imagined and realized world. Mm -hmm. So that was great. Um, the casting, as Damien was saying, as I said, it depends on who is in front of the camera. What did you think of Ryan Gosling as K, as the driving force in this film? Can I go first? What? Okay. I, I wanted to make sure I went first. Um, yes, I asked you first. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Instructions are there for a reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I have a bias when it comes to Ryan Gosling. To the goose. Yeah, because Ryan Gosling, who really looks like a goose, have have go. Jessica have Jessica make the the Ryan Gosling face for you right now. See that? <laughs> wow. Very goose like. Uh huh. Okay. For that on Snapchat later. <laughs> my my issue is that he is not an expressive actor. He has the same facial expression no matter what, which, by the way, could work for Blade mm -hmm. Runner. All right, that could work. But for me, when when I mentioned long, uncomfortable shots mm -hmm. of Ryan Gosling's face. I'm just like there's a difference between him and like a Jack Nicholson, yeah, in a cube in a cubic film. So I mean, he was for the role that he was put in. I think his acting style fit that role. Okay, and I'll say that. Okay, nice. Uh, one of the people that I loved seeing this movie because over the past couple years I have absolutely loved seeing her resurgence Robin Wright she's so great she's Man. in everything now and I love Which it when I, I see her face I'm like ah there she go you know and the thing that, okay so not that you asked but I'm gonna say it anyways mm -hmm. to me in in my professional opinion it's like I'm not professional um in my opinion she's someone who when I see her I'm, I don't go hey there goes Robin Wright or like, what's the actress's name who played the mother in, um, oh my God, she got the Oscar and it was Christian okay. Bale and he was the boxer. The fighter. Yes. Who uh, was the woman. Melissa who, Leo. Right. Who has been in stuff for 
ever. ever. Yes. So Melissa Leo and Rob, Robin Wright to me are one and the same in that when I see them, I mm-hmm. don't see the actress. I see the character. Yep. Whereas like Damon saying like with Ryan Gosling, like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just seeing Ryan Gosling. So yeah. that was just kind of hard. Like Robin Wright, I'm like, oh, there go Robin Wright. But the whole time I'm watching, I'm not like Robin Wright's acting. It's I, just like I, she, think I feel like she does. She plays every character she needs to play very well. I mean, that I absolutely agree with. I think one of the benefits that she has with that is we did not really see her active for quite a while. A long time. I didn't realize that was uh, Jenny. Yeah. You know, for a long time. Like, from Forrest yeah. Oh. Yep. You know, like she so, did, she disappeared for a long time. Disappeared for a while, and then she has seriously the past three years, huge. She's in everything. So she's in Wonder yeah. Woman. Wonder Woman. Love it. Shout out to House of Cards. Well, of course, House of yeah. Cards. Yeah. I think that's the one that brought, what brought her back. To yep. House of Cards yeah. For sure. Yeah. So that was incredible. Um, Jared Leto is in this, and why? I've, I've that is one of my problems. I feel like, and I I kind of said this term. Uh, I feel like he got suicide squatted, and I feel like he shot mean? a lot for this movie. Uh huh. And, and he he might not be in it as much as maybe he thought he was. Right, right, right. Uh, for those of you who do not know, it has kind of become one of those true Hollywood stories or you know uh, gossip things. Jared Leto for Suicide Squad, there is maybe an hour's worth of footage that we will never see. Right, they cut out. And he was in Suicide Squad for about 10 to 15 minutes. Which I didn't Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. Uh, Oscar award-winning. Um, ridiculous. I didn't even... Uh, the thing with Jared Leto is I do think Jared Leto is an excellent actor. Absolutely. I think he's very, I very good. But I think he's one of those actors that he needs a really good director who knows how to direct Jared Leto, if that makes yeah, sense. it does. You know what I mean? Because I actually didn't think that he was a bad Joker. I think he wasn't directed well. No. Because I think at that point the Joker was... Or the director at that was just like, just okay, Mr. Leto. Yes, sir. Uh, you just, just you just do, do you. That. Yeah, maybe he's intimidated by him, but like Jared Leto's like, you know, I don't know. Jared Leto's, I thought the role that he played in the movie was really good, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it was like, why is he in this movie? And apparently, and this I think has been substantiated, uh, that role is initially supposed to be David Bowie, but David Bowie passed. That would actually make way more sense. Uh, that would have been incredible. I felt that I. I liked Jared Leto's character better in those YouTube shorts that they did, the short right. films. Yeah. I enjoyed seeing him then. It was awesome. But then seeing him, I was just kind of like, so what's he here for? And why is he yeah, doing this? I, and why is he doing I, that? And it was a weird monologue. And why is this replicant falling out of the thing? And then why did he do this to her? And then why is, huh? Yeah. What is happening? Why am I watching this? Mm-hmm. I feel like the YouTube clips were basically deleted scenes from the actual movie itself. I, I've seen this. I've seen this mentioned in a couple of places the the advertising for the movie was a little misleading in yeah. in regards to the amount of participation to expect from um Jared Leto and and possibly Harrison Ford so mm-hmm. it was so it kind of threw me off like once once the movie was over and I started thinking back to certain scenes I was like well so now that I've seen all this what what is the significance of Jared Leto's performance as we see it in the movie because right. I, I haven't really paid attention to the YouTube clips because I wanted to watch the movie first okay. but I don't, I'm hoping that I don't have to depend on the information in the YouTube clips to understand his character better because I believe that should be handled within the context of the movie itself absolutely and I agree with that it is one of my biggest knocks on another movie that has been talked about quite frequently Prometheus Prometheus yes if- 
if a movie, if, if a director says, well, you know, to really understand this movie, watch these 17 clips, read this thing. No. Nope. If no, that not, means that you did not know how to edit your movie into exactly. a, a reasonable running time. Uh, that means the, the first cut of Blade Runner is probably four hours. Oh, my gosh. So full disclosure for people going to see this movie, it is long. Uh, it is deliberate, just like we talked about. The standard cut, the theatrical cut, is two hours and 45 minutes. So when we get an extended edition next year, which I guarantee is going to happen, yeah, th- this this first cut, like Damien mentioned, is going to be probably three and a half hours. Somebody, somebody said that this is the director's cut. Which, uh, okay, okay. Then Somebody I, said. I mean, I would be. People, I would be okay with that. The internet um, said it. The other performance that I wanted to give a big shout out to is Anna de Armas. Uh, she plays Joy in this film. I last saw her in Hands of Stone, um, the movie about Rocky Marciano, or uh, not Rocky. Um, yeah, like that. Like she is great. I really like that actress. I hope she gets to do more stuff she is just really captivating and i see a different performance like jess said i've only seen her in a couple things but those are two completely different roles is that the uh, that's the crazy chick right uh no not crazy chick no oh you're thinking of leto's her name is second in command love love Love. Love. yeah yeah that was love no joy joy is is uh ryan gosling's thing ah gotcha gotcha Yeah, yeah 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 yes um, she was cute. Yeah. Also, one of the, the things that I thought was interesting, there is a romantic scene in this movie that has that was some weird. of, to me, it was some of the most innovative yeah. ways to shoot a film or shoot a scene like that and imaginative. I was really, really impressed with just the technological things that they were able to do yeah. in that scene. That scene was stolen from her. I didn't care for it. What? You remember that movie? Barely. With walking. Yeah, no, I, I remember. Johansson, and remember, she hires somebody. And well, it, yeah, okay, yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, we cannot talk about I other things like it. that. But um, I didn't say anything else. That's all but I said. The, so watching that was was pretty incredible. Um. <laughs> yes, it was. I thought uh, it was the, interesting. Yeah. The other thing I liked is that when Ryan Gosling's kind of cell phone. His little uh, pager goes off. It plays Prokofiev's Peter and the Wolf. Yeah, all the time. For the first two measures. That was really cool. I Um, did like that. They did it. When I heard it the first time, I was like, oh, that is cool. They did it several, several times. Which anybody. So Prokofiev, when he wrote Peter and the Wolf, it is about this little boy um, who leaves the fence door open and uh, his grandpa gets mad at him. But in the end, you know, he ends up saving this wolf so i'm sure there are some deeper reasons, reasons. As to why that was the yeah. and the things that we cannot talk about on this yeah. episode uh but yeah there are there are definitely some reasons for it and i would be interested to hear that directly from the from the director right um yeah what else uh let me see on my notes uh, um, let, me, let me just say on the positive note i thought yes. the film was visually stunning Yes, I, I thought it was a I thought it was a beautiful film. 
Uh, I did see a few things in there, uh, special effects wise that I that I had not seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I won't mention them because I don't want to I don't want to mess up your hustle here. Thank you. <laughs> but um, I, from a visual perspective, I think it was stunning. I think one thing that Jess and I kind of talked about offline was the the music itself was was kind of distracting. Yeah, um, and the music. I mean, so the composer was uh, Benjamin Walfish who also worked with Hans Zimmer on this. Uh, similar to Arrival, uh, Denny Villeneuve's Oscar-winning film, when mm-hmm. this score comes in, it punches you in the face. Yeah, It hits you hard, but then it will transition pretty seamlessly into almost nothing. Into so nothing I, which, which, which really hurts for some of those longer, slower scenes where you're just yeah, looking exactly. at Ryan Gosling's face. <laughs> I'm holding back everything I have to say from when I give my rating. So continue. Okay. <laughs> um, so the music was just this bombastic, you know, it hits you right away and then it goes to nothing. So the juxtaposition was nice for some of it. Some of it, it just felt weird um, and just felt a little bit out of place. So... Uh yeah, I think the I think that about uh, wraps it up for for my notes. Mm-hmm. All that we can see on your podcast, yeah. Yeah, and so I sorry, dear listeners. Um, and by the time this airs, I might have been able to talk about them, but I just would really not like to uh, risk it. But you know, we will on the Curly Nerd podcast. So yeah, for a full spoil <laughs> for a full spoiler review, <laughs> listen to the Curly Nerd podcast, which will be coming out soon. Uh okay, so the rating system. We already explained it. Good, bad, or ugly. Mm-hmm. Let Jess go last. Jess has to go last. All right. Blade Runner 2049. Damien, you go first. What do you give it? Based on your rating system mm-hmm. of good, bad, and ugly. The best rating system, yes. I do like your rating system, though. Let's be clear. I'm going to give it a bad with this with this caveat. And when I say bad, because within the context of your 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 um, rating you know system, means. <laughs> for those of you who are not familiar with the rating system, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. bad could be a movie that's okay, and you know you, you you may have felt a certain way. There were things I liked about the movie. Yes. Okay. There were things that I did not like about the movie that outweigh the things that I do like. Okay. Um, the main one being the running time and the 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 pace. You call it deliberate. It was painfully slow. And once the movie was over, there was once the movie was over, I looked back at some scenes like we really didn't need these scenes now that we saw the story play out the way that it did. Okay. Um, so it's a movie that I think you should see. Okay. Just so you can share my pain, it's hmm. visually stunning, mm-hmm. but painful to sit through. Bad. Okay. Uh, my official rating for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, like I said, this movie is long, uh, and unlike some other incredibly long movies that I really enjoy like Lord of the Rings and and those, which I could watch over and over and over again. It might be a while before I sit down and watch this one beginning to end again. Uh, I am going to give it a good, 
there was a lot that I liked about this. Like we mentioned, the visual styling was absolutely incredible. Yes. The unique things that they did. The score did not bother me as much, but I can understand the complaint with it. Um, I want to go to this crazy dystopian bleak world again. So whether it is Blade Runner 2079 and do another 30 year jump. Oh God, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> but I, I give it a good. It, it it is it is going to be I think a rough watch for some people just because of that runtime, and I get it. And yeah, real quick before Jess goes into hers because she is chomping at the bit. Um, <laughs> this movie has kind of bombed at the box office partially. Due to, I think, the marketing. Mm -hmm. And I also think that getting people into a movie, and most movies are around 120 minutes. Yeah. Getting people to go sit down for three hours is getting harder and harder to do. When they can be at home, watch Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime. So I think that is is a big deterrent. You know, here's what's crazy, though. That that running time wouldn't... I'm just doing this because I know you're going to shut it down, Jess. No, no. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that long, that long running time wouldn't be a problem mm-hmm. if the pacing was better. Captain America Civil War was two and a half plus hours. Yep. And I was I was glued to my seat at the hour and a half mark in this movie. Jess looks up and she's like, y'all, we still have an hour left in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that shut me down. OK, go ahead. All right, so Jess, the curly nerd herself. <laughs> Rating for Blade Runner 2049. Good, bad, or ugly? Good, bad, or ugly. I would like to give this movie a bad. Whoa! Yes, I wouldn't give it an ugly. Wow, I, okay. In all honesty, I actually liked the movie. Okay. Ish. It was just. So a- I liked. I think. Okay, what I, I think what I liked is I liked the story. Okay. Yeah. What I didn't like is how it kind of tricked me in the beginning. It kind of started with a bang, right? There was a lot of action, yeah. a lot going on, and mm-hmm. I was like, this is going to be dope. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it just comes to a screeching halt. Mm-hmm. It's it like, got stuck it in traffic. Yeah, it doesn't, keep mo- it doesn't keep moving forward. I'm not interested anymore. There's way too many scenes and way too many things mm. that didn't need to be there and things I didn't know why they were there. Jared Little, I'm like, why are you here? Why are we seeing this bald man? Now why are we seeing this shit with bangs? Why are we seeing these files? Now why are we seeing these? It was all of these things. I'm like, why are we seeing any of this? How is this helping to move the movie forward? And then all of these scenes were unnecessarily long. Every scene was unnecessarily long. It was too many long pauses. Robin Wright's interaction with Kay, with Ryan Gosling, a lot of that was uncomfortable and weird. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who was the weird in the dark night who had gotten arrested when they tried to shoot oh, the mayor. Remember right. in, in, in the morgue or whatever. It was a, a lot of things that I was like, why am I seeing this? I mm-hmm. didn't know why I was seeing it. And it was just way too long. A lot of the scenes didn't. We don't need to sit here and watch these scenes just because they're thick. Why? Yeah. And that, that is a common thing that I have been hearing where Why? every scene had about three extra minutes. Yeah, just way yeah. too long. I'm sitting there watching it. And I didn't notice that Ryan Gosling's face was crooked until this movie. Because it's way too long. <laughs> Look at it. He has one eye lower than the other. I'm like, and it's because 
you have sat the camera on his face for five whole minutes and he's not really doing anything. So I was like, well, mm. what is the point? I don't understand. And then the music was so loud yeah. and intrusive. And you're all in the juxtaposition. Nah, homie, that movie was <laughs> that was trash. Like that, <laughs> that soundtrack, that score was absolute garbage. Like you sh- do better. Do better. The <laughs> okay. mu- the music can honestly make or break a movie, uh, right? 100%. Yes. And we all know beautiful music and beautiful scores. Mm-hmm. When you hear Harry Potter, you get a feeling, right? When you hear that music. Dun, dun, yes. When dun, you hear uh, Jurassic Park, even if you didn't like any of the Jurassic dun, Park dun, movies. Dun, yes. Dun. Dun, dun, dun. You still yeah. get that when I go to Universal Studios in Orlando, and I, walk, I just I get that feeling, mm-hmm. right? You have that feeling. This movie could have been the movie that gave you that feeling, right? It's 2001 Space Odyssey. There's a lot of these different mm-hmm. movies. Like if the movie's not the best that I like, but you remember the music mm-hmm. when the score is good. The score didn't help the move the movie along. It also helped. That's I think that to me is why I felt like each scene came to a screeching halt. Yeah, I don't feel like it flowed into the next scene. There were scenes where you were like, oh, it's Tibetan, blah, blah, blah. No, it was Tibetan my granddaddy belching very loudly <laughs> wow. and lowly. It was all... I was like, is that a belch? Is that an old black man belching right now on a microphone and they are calling that in like a sound booth or something and that's music? No. Wow. This is weird. And even one of our friends who lo- obsessed, loves it, said it sounded like a fart. And it did. The music a droning was, space fart. It a droning space fart. It wow. was weird. There was way too many scenes I didn't need to see. The scene with the in the yeah. in the Wally trash dump. Oh, okay. Why didn't you see that? Gotcha. It was just a lot of scenes that we didn't need to see. Movie like we want someone the person to my right actually fell asleep mm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I saw two, cu- two couples, four people get up and walk out. Yeah. I, it just was, too, it didn't need to be that long. Yeah. And I'm watching it going like, this is bumming me out because it's actually not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's so many things I'm like, you're trying to live up to the hype of the first one, which the first one was crammed down so many people's throats as being like. Cinematic. This, yeah, cinematic genius. Yeah. And this is like, this is what movies are made from, uh, made of. And no, it's just a really long, weird movie. Sorry. Kind of boring, kind of weird. Yeah, it's neat, but not really. Okay. So, but you you did surprise me. So your official rating is bad. It's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Okay. I don't need to see it ever again. Okay. Ever again. Uh, and we, I don't recommend it. D- okay. We mentioned uh, Love, which is Jared Leto's second in command. Yes. Played excellently by Sylvia Hoax or right. Hoax. Every 45 minutes when she showed up for five minutes, she did well. She really did. <laughs> so shout out to her as well. <laughs> Um, cool. All right, so that is Blade so. What Runner. I'm saying is, every 45 minutes for five minutes, there's some action. Can I can I say one last thing? Spoiler. Yes, you could say one last thing, Damien. What one last thing? Um, so it was also announced on Friday that there is a another adaptation of Electric Dreams coming out Amazon Prime in 2018, which will be a oh, yeah. 10 episode yeah, anthology series. No, Amazon. Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amazon Prime. Um, 2018. So it, it it has people like Steve Buscemi, Brian Cranston, who's one of the co-producers, Janelle Monae, Terrence Howard, Terrence Howard uh, Jessica's favorite, and Anna mm-hmm. Paquin, another oh, one of Jessica's favorites as well. And um, yeah, I'm actually interested in that. I saw the trailer for it. It looks interesting. 
Okay. So if you like Blade Runner, then you're gonna love Electric. <laughs> nah, boo. If you like Blade Runner, but without the Ridley Scott, check out Electric Dreams. Okay. If you like Blade Runner, but you don't have four hours to waste. Wow. <laughs> wow. If you like to, if you like to break up your time watching TV or movies into fifty minutes every week. Yep. And again, I I think that will be really successful. It is in digestible chunks. Smaller doses. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, cool. All right. Uh, so, to wrap things up, uh, we talked about New York City Comic Con. You heard interviews with me with Frank Cho, Dexter Vines, and Tamita Jane. Uh, we talked about Blade Runner, of course, just now. And, yeah, thank you, first of all, uh, both of you, for making this happen. Uh, New York Comic Con was, was a blast, and it is Almost all because of Jess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for having us. And thanks for having us on the podcast yet again. Yet again. Wonderful yeah. podcast. And also thank you for coming out to the East Coast. We know the West Coast is the best coast. West Coast is the best coast. But, you know, the East Coast mm-hmm. is pretty decent. Yep. Uh, and where can people find uh, you, Damien, first? Go. Uh, you can find us at itsthecurlynerd.com. Mm-hmm. And also on all social media platforms at It's the Curly Nerd. Me, myself, personally, you can find me at Damien Randall everywhere. Fantastic. Uh, and Damien is not only the uh, co-host of it's Curly, or the Curly Nerd podcast, but also from Houston with Love. Check them out. Uh, Absolutely. One of my favorite podcasts that I listen to all the time. I am behind on it, and I plan on catching up on the plane, which is going to be great. Oh yeah, you, you're going to catch up because uh, yeah, we're doing a couple of repeats because one of the guys is getting married. That's from Hugh with love from H O U with love. We play some good music every week, mm-hmm. and we are decidedly unwoke. Amen. As well, it is uh, not for children. Uh, no. Uh, and Miss Jessica O'Brien, where can people find you on social media? Whole government name. Um, I am at JDCOB. On Instagram and Snapchat, I'm mm-hmm. also at JDC O'Brien on the Twitters. Excellent, cool. That about wraps it up uh, for this podcast. You can find it on all forms of social media at About to Review. Uh, go to the website abouttoreview.com for full show notes. You can email the show abouttoreview at gmail dot com, and also go to abouttoreview.threadless.com. Get a shirt for you, yourself, your grandma, whoever it is. Uh, if you take a picture of yourself wearing that shirt and send it to me, I will absolutely share it on social media. And that will be a blast. You can subscribe to the podcast on all forms of social. No, you cannot. Nope. It's not social media. It is so late right now. It is 1.30 in the morning. East Coast time. Uh, East Coast time. Uh, but yes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, all of those. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you, Damien. Thank you, Jess. You guys are amazing. And we will see all of you guys next time. Gio. This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter at Vexing Media.